Hi there, everybody. Ed asked me to chime in and let you know about me. My name is Dan, and I am weird. But I don't see weird as a bad thing. Weirdish means people marching to the beat of a different drum, not fitting into that hole that society wants to shove you into. On my show, The Power of Weird, I'm talking to people like me. The weirder, the better. So when you're done listening to this great episode of the Dead America Podcast, come on over to thepowerofweird.com and start the descent into your weirdom. And remember, be the weird you want to see in the world. I'll see you next time on The Power of Weird. Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be around this wild, wacky, and sometimes disturbing world of ours. Yes, that's the intro to the Mindset Podcast, a weekly attempt to open eyes and shedding light on what's really going on in the world, all done by ripping apart the media madness that masquerades as news. Join me, Gareth Davis, every Sunday on the Mindset Podcast. You can find the show on all major podcasting services such as iTunes, Stitcher, and so on. Or you can go directly to the main Mindset website. That's www.mindsetcentral.com. Check out the Mindset Podcast. Bring your curiosity, your opinions, and a sense of humor. And remember that some worldviews are stranger than others. Well, we have come to the end of this season of Dead America Podcast. We are super excited for our next guest, and we will get into our episode shortly. Before we do get into the episode, we do have a few announcements that we want to share with you. At the beginning of each episode, we share our podcast promotions with you. With sadness, we regret to tell you that Gareth Davis of the Mindset Podcast is no longer with us. He has passed away, and may he rest in peace. I would like to say thank you to everybody involved in the Mindset Podcast for the interactions that we had. I also want to announce that our book giveaway for this season is about to close. The closing date for entries is on the 25th of October, 2021. And we will choose the winners and announce them on our Facebook page on October the 27th of 2021 sometime before noon. Also, we want to announce that our recordings will be better at the start of Season 10. We have started recording with a new software, and so far we are getting extreme results. So bear with us. Thank you for listening to our podcast, because... It's the content that really matters. Let's not waste any more time and get into this great episode. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. 
we can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Our speaker today hails from Los Angeles, California. For the past two decades, Dr. Danny Brissell has served as an educational advisor to students ranging from preschoolers to rocket scientists. While he has held numerous titles and worked with leaders from a variety of fields and disciplines, Danny always considered himself first and foremost a teacher. Known as America's leading reading ambassador, Danny is the author of 15 best-selling books, including The Reading Makeover and Read, Lead and Succeed. He is an internationally recognized authority on reading motivation skills. Last year alone, he spoke to over 100 different audiences worldwide in education, business, and government. Danny's simple but powerful student engagement strategies have been heralded by parents and educators alike. He understands and appreciates the challenges they face with their children because of his 25 years of teaching experience. Danny has one goal to help you learn to transform your child from a reluctant and or struggling reader into a more passionate and proficient reader. Most importantly, he is a loving husband and proud father of three children. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Danny Brissell. Today I'm super excited. With us, we have Dr. Danny Brissell. Dan is America's leading reading ambassador. Also, he is dubbed Jim Carrey with a PhD. And my personal opinion, he's a true advocate for the real American person or just the person all around the world. Danny, welcome to the Dead America podcast. Could you please introduce yourself and let people know just a little bit more about you, please? Well, thank you so much for that kind introduction, Ed, and uh, I really appreciate all that you're doing uh, to celebrate the positivity. There's too much negativity in the world nowadays, so uh, I'm grateful for your podcast. Uh, anyway, you know, it's it's kind of ironic that I'm known as America's leading reading ambassador because I grew up hating reading. My father was a librarian, and I always hated the public library. It always smelled funny. The furniture was uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. And there's always some homeless guy acting like a vampire by the bookshelves. I, I hated it. Uh, and it wasn't until I started teaching in the inner city. And I, I noticed that uh, most of my students didn't have the uh, the same opportunities that I had, that I pointed the finger at myself and said, shame on me. I, w I was blessed and had all kinds of advantages I, I took for granted. You know, uh, both of my parents were together. Um, you know, we, uh, had plenty of books in our home. My parents read in front of us and to us kids. And um, I wanted to make sure that students had that opportunity. And uh, in all my years of experience, almost 30 years in education, what I've discovered, Ed, is that uh, I, I think schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. 
But the question I always ask people is, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid to go read a book. I want them to choose to do it on their own because the more excited we can get kids to read, the more likely they are to read and the more they read, the better they get. And so my passion is going all around this beautiful earth of ours, uh, inspiring educators and parents how to get their kids pumped up about reading. And it's even more fun when I get a chance to do it with the kids. Well, thank you so much for what you do, Danny. It's remarkable. Really, I could only come up with one question. Where was Dr. Danny Brussel <laughs> when I was a kid? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that, Ed, because that's, that's kind of what I was looking for, too. I, uh, I, I joke with people that, uh, you know, in high school, I remember a teacher forced us to, watch, to read um, The Scarlet Letter by... Nathaniel Hawthorne, and no offense to that book, a lot of people love that book, but the book is about Hester Prynne, and she commits adultery, so she has to wear an A on her chest, and I asked my teacher if I could wear a B on my chest, because I was so bored reading it, and uh, <laughs> I just struggled, and I, I see that with so many students, where uh, one of the things I always train educators and parents is, you know, the research is actually quite clear on this. It doesn't matter what you read, what matters is how much you read. It doesn't matter if you're reading James Joyce or James and the Giant Peach, people who read more read better. And so the approach that I take is finding people's interest and building their reading based on their own interests. Yeah, you know, poverty doesn't keep the children's literacy development held back. It's the number of books that they have in the home that matters. And you were raised in a home with a lot of books, and you can see the results. Uh, myself, I was raised in an environment that wasn't really into reading or doing much of anything but partying, drinking, and getting, you know, stupid results out of life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once we find the mentality that education and reading is going to help us move forward in the world past our history we don't have to be stuck and i for one can truly tell you from where i came from i should not be able to read at all but through this podcasting and opening up myself to other people and being the dumb guy in the room instead of wanting to be the smart guy in the room that's really helped me develop, and I've learned to love reading. I am amazed that you can actually train yourself to love to read. <laughs> That's great. So, <laughs> now, do you have a favorite book, Danny? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's that's a tough question, and everybody loves to ask me that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I know it's it's – it's something where there's different parts of your life. So I have uh, one of the world's top uh, uh, reading club websites online. It's called lazyreaders.com. And it's a free subscription for anybody who wants to subscribe. Basically, once a month, I update it with 10 book recommendations, three or four adult level, three or four young adult level, and three or four children's level books, all under 250 pages. So you have something you can read when you're stuck in a boring meeting or whatever. And uh, so I always tell people, like, when I was a kid, 
probably my favorite book, and I wasn't much of a reader when I was a kid, but probably my favorite book was uh, Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak. It was a fun picture book. Um, as a young adult, uh, probably the book that struck me the most, uh, and it's kind of odd because it's actually considered literature, is uh, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. I just think it's just so beautifully written. Mm-hmm. And uh, as an adult, there's so many different things I read, but um, a book that really got me excited about reading was um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams was probably the first book where I had to put it down almost every page because I was laughing so hard. And so, I mean, I, I read so many different genres now uh, and it's, it's tough to, to pick one, but uh, there's three for your audience. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I interview quite a few authors and I get to read so many books now and if you develop yourself where you're reading literature from several people, it's a great thing. The thing that got me reading was The 5,000-Year Leap, and it's a great book. It's a great read. I couldn't put it down. I, what, what, what was it about that book that got you so excited, if I may ask? Ed? Well, they lay out principles. What mm-hmm. is it? 28 principles, I believe it is. And the the book covers the beginnings of our great nation. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I'm into history, knowing where we came from and why we're here and how we got to this place. And this really goes before America was formed and really looks at the depth of why we were formed Mm -hmm. and that's the fascinating thing that i couldn't put it down you know i didn't know a lot of this information and some of the outlined principles that are outlined in that book really made me understand america better and understanding those original documents and those people that wrote those important documents so that's what got me into reading and i actually started podcasting about that book and it led into well i want to start interviewing people and talking learning things that i don't know that's great you know i'm i'm 55 now and i have to use my mind instead of my body so I'm trying to learn new things and energize other people to don't set on your tail. Pick your wounds up, your bad feelings, your bad spirit, and find out how to use that in your favor and then help people in the same situation out. That's wonderful, Ed. I love it. And you and I share an interest because I'll, I'll read anything. I mean, the book I'm reading right now is American Caesar by William Manchester. It's a biography on General MacArthur. And it's kind of odd. The reason I picked out the book was I love David McCullough's uh, biography on President Truman. And of course, President Truman fired uh, General MacArthur. And so I, I, yeah. I came away from that book thinking General MacArthur was a jerk. Well, now that I'm reading American Caesar, I'm like, man, he definitely had an ego, but gosh, what a general. This guy's amazing. And so that's what's cool about reading is it gives me different perspectives. And I like to read different books about the same person to see if they can give me uh, 
you know, just add insight yes. into how a person works. I mean, and I, I can tell, you know, there's like a, a, a middle school book I used to read with my kids called The Signers. And it's, it's uh, separate stories about each of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence. You love it. It's just all kinds of great anecdotes. Yeah, I, I have a podcast episode, uh, Breaking Chains Because of 56. Nice. And we actually go over the signers of the Declaration of Independence. It is remarkable. And yeah. a lot of people don't think of those individuals that brought this country to its greatness. They like to point out the bad, the negative, but, you know, we all experience negative in our growth. And yeah. we have to come to realize, hey, look for the good in mm-hmm. the bad and you will become great. Love so, it. Yeah. You know, the book that I'm reading right now is an interview that I'm working on by Terry Tucker. It's called Sustainable Excellence. And it outlines 10 principles to leading your uncommon and extraordinary life. And I'll tell you, if you don't know about Terry Tucker, people, you will be fascinated. You need to listen to the episode and get involved with him. He's a great author. But the the reason I bring that up is because a lot of people, they whine about a lot of things and they have it so well. Mm. When When you look at people like Terry Tucker that is battling terminal cancer and what he's done for this great nation and his attitude you know out of all of this hurt and disparity in his life it's one of the most uplifting attitudes i've ever experienced and we need more people like terry tucker and you danny you know because <laughs> you you have a good outlook on life how how did you become interested in books so much well again it goes back at to uh, working with my kids and realizing that heck uh my kids my kids aren't going to be interested in reading if i'm not interested in reading and so really where it started was when i was a kid this is gonna hate me i i couldn't wait for twelve fifteen every day because that's when paul harvey would come on the radio and paul harvey yeah would read the rest of the story. And that ju- I always just love little anecdotes about people and corporations and stuff, where they came from. And so I started just sharing little stories with my students. And uh, when I was a middle school teacher, first school teacher in the school's history, not to have a single tardy because my students always showed up on time because they knew I always started with a uh, either a Paul Harvey story or a story I had written on my own. Actually, the last book that I just wrote Leadership Begins with Motivation is a collection of those types of stories, uh, and I'm reading it. It's kind of odd because after I wrote the book, I I went through it, and I realized that I'm like, wow, most of the anecdotes I give in this book are about white male Americans, and so I realized, okay, I write another book, and so the book I'm writing right now focuses a lot more on minorities and women and international examples because I think everybody everywhere has to see – they have to be exposed to – all cultures, but I think everybody needs to take pride in their own culture and, and see some examples of 
somebody who had it just like them that was able to overcome any type of adversity. And by the way, you totally sold me on the Terry Tucker book, so I've already ordered it on Amazon while we've been talking. <laughs> Amen. Right on. I love it. You, you will love that book. Mm. It's not large, but it's a great read and very inspirational. Love it. Love it. Um, you know, talking about these books that inspire, I did not realize what impact comic books actually have on people reading. Great. You know, I was listening to one of your podcasts that said that actually made the literacy rate go up back in yeah. the 70s, I believe it was. In the six, yeah, in the 60s, there was a study that the year that the Fantastic Four comics came out, that uh, literacy scores actually improved in America. And it's it's funny, Ed, because when I do corporate trainings, I always ask the executives, what was your favorite book growing up? And I'm not kidding, at least 70% of the audience will say Superman, Batman, Fantastic Four. So uh, that, again, shows that concept that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you, what matters is how much you read. And I also point out to people that uh, most comic books are written at a, a level that's about uh, twice the the grade level of network news. So uh, it's yeah. it's healthier to read comic books than watch the news. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. You know, you are a big supporter of reading is fundamental. Of course, absolutely. This is lovely. I went and I checked out their website, and some of the information that I found out on this website, people, is just fascinating. I did not realize 25 million children in the u.s cannot read proficiently that hurts mm -hmm. and i think that stems from our educators now myself back in the fourth grade i had a very bad experience with my fourth grade teacher and it threw me out of the practice of education mm. altogether one of your interviews that you did was it with Carol Hanalt, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Carol Carol runs the uh, the branch of Reading is Fundamental in Southern California. She's absolutely wonderful. Yes. One of the things that Carol said, she talks about the reading by nine concept. This is when children switch from learning to read to read to learn and that's about the fourth grade area and i did not realize how much of an impact that that time in my life really had on my educational development my ability to take in what was being said mm. and read because i did not have a great educator it just blows me out of water that we allow these educators to manipulate our children in bad ways your way of educating now you educate teachers i think what you do is very important and it's very important for teachers to understand Kids are always listening, watching, and absorbing things like a sponge. And if mm -hmm. you throw toxic environment at them, they're going to become toxic. So what you do and how you 
really throw this fun nature into learning. Find out what the child is into and teach him. That's very important. Could you talk to people about that, please? Yeah, I mean, I love speaking to educators. I always tell them you have a choice every day. You can be Darth Vader, you can be Ben Kenobi, you can be the the darkness or the lightness. Uh, And uh, I became an educator because I wanted to inspire kids because I truly believe that at some point in my life, I'm going to uh, teach the person that saves the planet. Hopefully I had something to do with uh, their positive outlook on life. Uh, You know, and education is just like any any, uh, industry. You know, there's always bad apples and I'm a big believer in weeding out the bad apples. Uh, you know, my I'm from a typical Irish family. All my uncles are cops and all my aunts are nurses. And I, I guarantee there's plenty of bad cops and, and bad nurses. But overall, there's some excellent ones. And there's some people that, are, that can just use a little bit of help to make them even better. And, um, you know, I, I think it's tougher to educate children one-on-one. But that's the most effective way to educate children. What I mean by that is if you have 30 students in your classroom, you have 30 different types of uh, learning interests in that classroom. And uh, a, a mandated standardized curricula isn't going to meet the needs of all of those students. Now, I, I mean, I think teaching is easy, but good teaching is very hard. And you really do have to create those personal relationships. I mean, if I was your fourth grade teacher, Ed, I would have found out, well, what's Ed interested in? And I would have created my, my entire curriculum around that. And a lot of people, they talk about equality in education. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes in education. Kids don't need to be treated equally. They need to be treated fairly. You know, what works, some kids don't need that much attention. Some kids need a lot of extra attention. It's my job as a teacher to figure out uh, what motivates, uh, what, I, I mean, I'm a coach as well. And it's the same thing with players. Some, I, I had a basketball coach when I was in high school and at the awards banquet, he said, you know, some some kids you can yell at and some kids you got to talk to. Danny, he's one you got to talk to. <laughs> you know, every, everybody's motivated a little bit differently. And I, I mean, there's nothing easy about that. Um, it's very tough. But, uh, you know, uh, there's a great line um, by Tom Hanks in the movie A League of Their Own where he's talking about baseball. and says baseball is hard, but it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everybody could do it. And... Um, that's kind of like teaching is, you know, teaching, being a, an effective educator is really hard, but uh, it's also very rewarding. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many kids it's, it's fascinating five or 10 years later there. It's exactly what you just said, Ed. It's something, you know, I said in a class, I don't even remember saying it. And I'm like, well, that just totally changed my life. And I'm like, wow, I, it, 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 you're absolutely right. It's, the kids are watching, they're sponges, and you never know what they're going to pick up. And so you need to model as many positive habits as possible. Yes. So, Danny, how do you see the education? How has it changed from back in the 70s when I was in school to now? Well, it's in many ways, it hasn't changed at all. I mean, we still have... And, in traditional public schools, you'll see, you know, our our, our school calendar is based on the uh, Russian farming calendar of the 1840s. I mean, that's not a lot of progress. Uh, you know, uh, um, I, I think if you just go by sheer numbers, one of the things I share with people is in the last 25 years in America, the, the total kindergarten through 12th grade school population has increased by about 9%. 
the total increase in English students who English isn't their first language, that that population has increased 65%. And so that's a that's a, a, a different aspect. And I, I don't think it's a negative thing. I think it's a positive thing. Uh, but it also is a, is a different challenge. I mean, um, when you hear people criticize the American school system, they'll say, oh, you know, our kids rank 28th in education. They're behind China and India and Japan. And I'm like, I always say, well, let me tell you something about America. You know, we do something nobody else does that and, and that's this. We educate all kids, including the poor ones and the ESL kids and the special needs kids. I guarantee you, if you had a physical handicap, you're not going to receive an education in most of those countries. If you uh, are poor, you're not going to receive an education in many of those countries. And so those test scores that they're uh, producing, a lot of them are just based on a certain class of students, whereas if you if you created an apples to apples comparison with American students, then American students do just fine. But I don't sit on my laurels either. I think we can do so much more. And, um, you know, you're you're an avid learner and, and love biographies and things. And uh, I always joke with people, I, I'm constantly reading biographies of successful people. And there's two things I, I almost always see in successful people. They're all avid readers. And most of them dropped out of school at some point. <laughs> yeah. And that tells me we need to do better. And uh, there's there's not one single approach. There's 20 different approaches. I mean, um, I've seen magnet schools that are fantastic. I've seen public schools that are fantastic. I've seen charter schools that are fantastic. I've seen vocational schools that are fantastic. Trying a single approach with every kid isn't always what works. And so uh, that education is hard. It's it's not an easy thing. Um, you know, there's so many different variables. And even, you know, I I still visit 20 schools a week. And I can tell you, you know, what works in this school district in Texas doesn't necessarily work in this school district in Washington state. And I'm like, as a matter of fact, you can go to this school district in Washington state. And on this side of the town, the schools work differently than on this side of town. And even within that school, this teacher's class is doing great. And this teacher's class needs some improvement. So it's fascinating. Um, you know, but that's, uh, that's what I love as an educator. I love the challenge. I love looking at ways uh, to not be complacent and how to get better. So, uh, you know, school has changed in many ways since uh, you and I were in school in the 70s, but uh, uh, in many ways it's it's still the same, and, and that's not going to help us for the 21st and 22nd century. Yeah, you know, advancement in the skills that we present, that definitely changes throughout the years, and we really have this uh, kick about not listening to other people when it comes to education values. I, I notice you tend to listen to a lot of different people and take in a lot. So absorbing all of these different opinions on uh, education, how education be should be presented, all of these things that you have taken in it's actually helped you build your own recognition <laughs> of what needs to happen in schools and around children you you even work with businesses and the corporate world to help them better themselves of course yeah yeah, every, I mean, probably the best thing I've learned, Ed, is that I don't know that much. Uh, you know, UCLA 
basketball coach John Wooden said, it's the things you learn after you know it all that matter the most. And he's absolutely right. <laughs> I've been, especially in this past year with the pandemic, uh, my two words have become grace and humility because it's amazing mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I mean, just look at the, like this interview. Uh, I wouldn't have known how to do this five or 10 years ago. I, I, you know, if I have a question on my phone, I ask a five-year-old kid. The five-year-old kid knows more <laughs> about the technology than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be frustrating. <laughs> that's for sure. But, you know, challenges, like you said, that's what build us. And those real go-getters, they tend to excel. So you're a mass media veteran. You hosted a TV show, People Make a Difference. What was that like? I loved it. I, uh, again, I think, uh, you know, if you watch the news or social media, it's inundated with negativity. And I, for some reason, especially here in America, we let, you know, I've, I've spoken all around the America in the most conservative and most parts of America. And I always tell people, you know, America is not Fox news or MSNBC. Most Americans are pretty sensible people. And for some reason we let the lunatic fringes on both sides control the media. And so I just wanted to create a show where we celebrated the positive contributions to society. I mean, so much of news is focused on the negative. I mean, I I was sharing with a friend earlier. I said, you know, isn't it ironic that, you know, they say that one out of two marriages in America end in divorce within five years. I'm like, well, maybe instead of publicizing who's getting divorced, maybe we should be publicizing who's had a long anniversary. I mean, it's all of life is based on what you focus on. So stop focusing on them. I mean, I used to say that to teachers. I'm like, heck, hopefully uh, parents drop their kids off at school. And they're like, hey, make sure you don't get hurt today. I'm like, man, put a positive thought in the kid's head. Now the kid's going to be thinking about getting hurt all day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and what we speak, we learn. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. So you, you lived and taught in Compton, California? Yep, South Central LA. Compton is my hood. (laughs) Now, that is fascinating. Uh, You have a story about some kids, and they they were troubled kids, but they were learning through a rap song. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I was... When I taught eighth grade special education, it, it really wasn't special education. It was 16 boys that nobody else wanted to teach, uh, eight African-American, eight Latino. And if their life wasn't miserable enough, they got stuck with the dude as the teacher. And I used to <laughs> I used to sing with them every day, and they they, they, they hated it. They're like, man, this, I hate this, man. I hate this song, man. You wore that jacket yesterday, man. They always get personal. <laughs> and then the one day we don't sing, they're like, man, when we sing, you know, it's all hormones for the – with the teens. And, um, after about three weeks, they were so sick of me. Uh, they, they decided to show me, show me up. And so they decided to teach me Ebonics. Uh, they, they created a song to the beat of this old man that went this old pimp. He played one. He says, gap, but we say gun with a knickknack. This is the way I give your dog a bone. This old pimp went rolling home. They went, they went all the way up to number 10. And by the end of the song, I'm in tears and they're like, man, you crying, you lame, you know, but, the great thing about the story, Ed, is these are guys that for three weeks, they were at each other's throats. And after writing this song, they were laughing and giving each other high fives. And that is when the learning started. You know, it's it's what every I love that movie. Remember the Titans. It's very similar in the beginning of that movie. You got this forced integration of a football team between the white players and the African-American players. But after spending a week together on a on a 
like a camping trip. They all come together and they're a team. And, you know, I, a lot of people think a lot of the stuff I do is a waste of time, but it's all about team building and building up that positive energy and really kind of feeding kids curiosity about the world. I love what Mark Twain said. He said, uh, don't let school get in the way of your education. And, uh, you know, maybe not everybody's going to go to college. And I don't think that's the purpose of the education system. I think the purpose of the American education system, well, you know your history. First of all, it's, it's not guaranteed in the Constitution that you're entitled to a public education. Um, and, and to me, the purpose of a, an education is to produce a productive citizen. You know, and this is one of the the things that I would change about the education system. For some reason, there's this negative uh, attitude towards vocational training. There's a great guy that I love, Mike Rowe, has a wonderful podcast. Uh, yeah. The way I heard it, yeah, he's the guy that used to host the Dirtiest Jobs um, shows. But he has a foundation, and he points out that there's over seven million jobs available in America right now that don't require a college degree. You know, there's all kinds of skills that you could make six figures at. And it doesn't require a college degree. And for some reason, we we thumb our nose at things like that. And I'm like, you know, that's not the, the it, it's kind of like, um, I always love when people judge a, a, a kid that, like an inner city kid that signed a, a, a professional basketball contract for $10 million. I'm like, okay, so here's a kid who he might be on food stamps. His mother is late in the rent all the time. And just offer $10 million or he can go to college. And people criticize that kid for going into the pros. I'm like, I grew up in a fairly comfortable lower middle class home, you know, and if somebody offered, hey, Danny, you can either go to college or sign this contract for $10 million. I'd be like, where do I sign right now? I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to judge that kid. I mean, I can always get my education later. That's one of the beautiful things. But uh, I'm not going to. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we we make all these judgments. This is something everybody in America has to has to go for. We got to stop judging one another, you know. And we need to learn how to be able to disagree with one another without being disagreeable towards one another. And it's horrible to say, but you know your history. If you look at the best moments in American history, it's usually we rally after a tragedy like nine eleven or World War Two or something like that. And um, one of my favorite. Uh, Quick read. I don't know if you've read it yet, Ed, but uh, read Tom Brokaw's book, The Greatest Generation. It'll teach you all about all the amazing men and women who served in World War II and then what they did afterwards. It's extraordinary. And we should be proud of our heritage. I mean, and there's there's plenty. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things about American history that are horrible. And, uh, you know, and rather than yelling at one about one another, what history is supposed to teach us is to to discuss different points of, I mean, I used to teach history. I used to always tell kids, uh, you know, most history books are written by the winners. You know, every, yeah. every event in history has multiple points of view. And in this class, we're going to consider different points of view. I'm not going to teach you what to think. I'm going to teach you how to think. And that's the biggest problem right now is people, I tell people right now, there's no such thing as fake news. There's people that depend on one news source. God gave you this thing between your ears that you should use from time to time. Consider different perspectives. You don't have to agree. I mean, I don't agree. My wife and I disagree all the time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean I, I don't love and respect her. And that's what reading does is con it helps you consider different points of view. Again, you don't have to agree with it. Just consider the different point. That's why I love, you know, your podcast. It gives me things to think about. It's a positive thing. And um, that's really what I'm trying to do in the world is just get people thinking in a positive way and realizing we're all in this together. Yes. 
And we all experience bad things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When we rally together and try to help people grow, it's like building our weakest link. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Let's help people grow instead of tearing them apart and tearing them down. If, if people are doing bad things, they need to be put in check and they need to be educated about why it's bad. And a lot of people, they want to bicker and argue too much. It's <laughs> a shame, you know. <laughs> well, you should watch. The, there's one show I always recommend to people is I watch CBS Sunday morning every Sunday morning. And it's always these amazing stories. I mean, uh, uh, I, I, I read positive things. I'm not going to read the negative things. I like to read. You know, I read a story uh, a couple of years ago about uh, – a mosque in this small town in Texas, the mosque, there was an arsonist that burned down the mosque. And what happened was the Christian and Jewish leaders did a GoFundMe campaign that raised enough money to build a new mosque. And in the meantime, they allowed their spaces to be uh, spaces where uh, the Muslims in their town could, could gather. And I'm like, I mean, I'm in tears when I read things like that. I'm like, gosh, that's, that's what humanity should be. <laughs> yes. No, I, I agree. 100%. You know, you, you talk about uh, the same type of attitude. Uh, this this kind of segues into this book reports and whatnot. It's kind of it. It doesn't make children learn. They hate. It. <laughs> and you say people like Oprah make it fun. So w- why? Yeah. No. So I, I, I disagree. I, I think book reports do help you learn. They help you learn how to hate book reports. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> they, they turn off so many kids onto reading. And I, I always mention, I'm like, uh, you know, uh, Oprah, she turns people on to read at, when she suggests a book, she doesn't say, okay, after you read this book by Toni Morrison, I want you to get out a piece of pen and a paper, a piece of paper and a pen. And I want you to write down the copyright date, the three main characters, the theme. I mean, what a great way to get a person to hate reading. You know, uh, we should talk about books the way we talk about our favorite sports teams and our favorite TV shows. I mean, we, we need to get kids excited about reading. And I, that's what I can't tell you, Ed, how many seventh grade boys I've worked with where there is no way I'm going to get this kid to read this textbook but if I gave him a manual on how to fix a Chevy, he'd memorize it from cover to cover in a, in a week because he's interested in it. Uh, I, I had a little boy uh, when I was teaching second grade, and the principal told me he didn't know anything. And I'm like, oh, he doesn't know anything? Well, he just told me every single fact about a stegosaurus. I, I mean, the guy, I, he knows more about stegosauruses than anybody I've ever met in my life. And, you know, does he need to learn more than facts about a stegosaurus? Of course he does, but that's my starting point. Now I know what interests him and will create a curricula for him around the dinosaurs and expand beyond that. That's the trick. It's not rocket science. Yes. You know, and another another thing about that is we, we tend to have book smart people, mm-hmm. but – if if you're book smart, that's one thing, but putting it into execution and seeing what the book doesn't teach, that's priceless. Yeah. How how do we put those two together? Well, pay attention is what you – I mean, I like I, I watch – I watch how 
important people treat little people. So I was at, I was speaking at an event and there was this famous author and he was really kind of putting down the uh, the staff that was there to help him. And it taught me all I needed to know about the guy. I don't I won't buy a single one of his books anymore. I'm like, he's a jerk, you know, and then I've seen people that go out of the way to be. Um, I'll give you an example. I was speaking at an event with uh, Mark Brown. He's the the author of the Arthur books, which is a series of kids books uh, mm-hmm. about this family of aardvarks. They have a TV yeah. show on PBS about them. And he was scheduled to speak at this event for a half an hour and then sign books for a half an hour. Well, Ed, Mark spent eight hours at that event, getting his picture taken with 4,000 teachers, autographing whatever they wanted to sign. And I'm like, that's amazing. You know, he didn't have to do that. Um, you know, and that's what I do. I, I watch I watch people. Who are the people that uh, are kind to the people that can never do anything to repay that person? Um, and, you know, frankly, that's all. I mean, there's certain there's certain authors I love. You know, uh, I think you'd love it. If you haven't read anything by John Maxwell, uh, read, I, I can read anything the guy writes. His leadership books are phenomenal. He was a, a former minister of a large congregation, like 25,000 people. Now he's really just a leadership speaker. He's trained tons of speakers. I've never met the man in his life, in my life, but I, I, I just absorb everything that he writes. Um, Jim Rohn passed away. I can listen to anything the guy's ever. He, he, he has one of my favorite things. He says, you can't pay other people to do your push-ups." And yeah. what a great American can do attitude. Don't wait for somebody to do something for you. Go out and do it. You know, uh, all people love to gripe about leaders. Uh, one of the things I point out to people, you know, they like to gripe about their their uh, political leaders. And I say, well, that person did something that you and I haven't done. And they're like, what? I'm like, they ran. Yeah. You know, Teddy Roosevelt, former president, said the credit belongs to the person that's in the arena. And it's really easy to gripe about things. It's a lot tougher to be part of the solution and being a problem solver. And so that's really how I try to guide my life is uh, – Quit my complaining, quit quit my whining, and be, be do something productive. <laughs> well, yeah, that's very true. You know, Danny. Once we put that into practice, it, it's solid, and yeah. we we can be unstoppable that way because we we don't get challenged. We learn. Well, so, Ed, how many how many of your friends have talked about doing a podcast and they haven't done a dang thing? And here you <laughs> have already interviewed like fifty people. I mean, that's amazing. You did something. Most people yeah. never do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing that if you don't practice it, it doesn't happen. And it's yeah. not easy. It it takes a lot of time, and you get a lot of disappointments. I'll tell you. But when you turn those disappointments into excitement because you touch that one person that reaches mm-hmm. out and says you changed me i'll tell you I'll, i won't stop now i'll i'll just practice i'll hone my skill on mm-hmm. learning to connect with people instead of disenfranchising people and separating this is a unity program that i run and i don't know enough Let's put it that way. That's I right. To know a lot more, and I can learn from everybody. I don't care if it's a child or a bug on the ground. <laughs> I, I observe, and if it fascinates me, I study it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a lot of people don't get that hunger. 
I started podcasting because I was hurt. I was feeling left out. I felt abused. I felt madder than mad. And all it takes is one person to reach out and say, hey, I like what you're doing. It matters. And boy, you can change somebody's whole day, life. You know, it, it really is that attitude of giving back. Yeah, you're very authentic and you're, you've allowed yourself to be vulnerable. One of the reasons I wanted to be on your podcast, Ed, was your, your opening a podcast where you explained why you were doing it was just so authentic to me. And, uh, you know, there might be people that you touch that you'll never hear from. So that's why you got to keep on producing it. I love it. That's right, Danny. And I'll check out John Maxwell. I, I like that. It's, yeah, you'll like him. He's a great speaker. So uh, let's see. I wanted to touch on one more subject with you, a TED Talk. <laughs> How does it feel to set or stand on that stage and present to a bunch of people that are very positive? Well, I, I, I you know, uh, my friends kid with me that I've never met a microphone that I don't like. So uh, that talk was <laughs> just an honor for me, Ed. Uh, and I'm, you know, I coach, you know, when I'm coaching business people, a lot of them want to be better speakers and I, I coach them on things. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I have always never, I'm not nervous at all in front of a big group of people. Actually, the more the merrier for me. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about you earlier. When people ask me, what's my best speaking tip? I always, because I watch probably 10 speakers a day to hone my craft. And I always say, well, don't tell people about your successes. Tell them about your failures. Because not everybody in your audience has succeeded. They've all failed. And the more you talk about your own vulnerabilities, the more you're, they're going to love you. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, your initial podcast was just so powerful to me. I'm like, here's a guy that's just laying it all out. Um, you know, anybody can sit there and say, oh, you know, I make so much money. I, you know, I got my, my shoes are uncomfortable because of all the diamonds in them. And um, yeah, it's like, I don't want to listen to that person. I want to listen to a person who's like came from a really rotten home environment, very negative, And somehow from all that adversity overcame it. That's what all that to me, that's that's the great human story is it's not that you've been dealt a, a, a tough hand. It's like, how did you take your hand and turn it into a winning hand? Yes, that's true. That's what we have to figure out. And that's the positivity that we must push, you know, just to give insight on my background a little bit. My family, I, I've had several brothers in prison. I had my oldest brother killed in a high-speed car chase with police officers. And most of my life, I've heard negativity about law enforcement and, you know, all of these. You've got to choose to educate yourself and make sure you understand what you're being told is truth. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't really look at your environment and understand what you are around, you will never be able to pull yourself out of it. Don't ever be afraid to challenge yourself. And most of all, challenge what you think you know. Because it, 
That's that's wonderful. I mean, I, I'll give you a perfect example of that. Ed, is I'm uh, I'm blessed. I'm a I'm a visiting distinguished professor at the American University in Cairo. And um, when I was in Cairo, I, I spoke to uh, a Muslim school at two in the afternoon. Four hundred parents showed up at this school, and it was like the Muslim Brotherhood. All the guys had long beards, and all the women were in burqas. And I had made a lot of judgments, and uh, we wound up talking like you and I are talking right now. And I'm like, wow. What a great experience for me. It was, uh, you know, so many of us are quick to judge without ever encountering uh, what that person has gone through. And, uh, you know, just like you, I'm I'm still learning. Yeah, and it's a continued process until you're six feet under. And <laughs> That's right. You, you know, when you stop learning, you're really going to have a miserable life because you're I going agree. to be stuck. Yep. And, that's very uh, important for people to realize where they can go, not where they've been. Exactly. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. <laughs> Amen. There you go. So do you have a call to action to people, Danny? Yeah. As a thank you to, to you, Ed, and to all of your audience, I wanted to, if, if people go to freereadingtraining.com, again, that's freereadingtraining.com. I'm going to give everybody a complimentary e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. That's a book. I wrote it for a school principal who didn't know how to engage his faculty. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. And so every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation that demonstrates the exact same concept. And then I'm also going to include a couple of uh, digital trainings of um, – some of the trainings I do for parents that uh, I, I, I do to show parents uh, quick tips on how to get their kids excited about reading, uh, you know, because, again, I, I really, in studying successful people, you know, I, I know plenty of readers that aren't necessarily leaders, but I've never read about an effective leader that was not an avid reader. So uh, those are gifts to everybody uh, as a thank you, uh, and I really appreciate not only uh, you having me on the show today, Ed, but uh, for all that you do, and I hope to God you keep on doing it for a long time. Well, I hope I do too, Danny. It's been a pleasure having you on the Dead America podcast. And for one, I appreciate you so much, and you're an inspiration to so many, and your kindness is just out of this world. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so much. Thank you. God bless, Ed. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.